Welcome to Shore Street Presbyterian Church Podcasts. This morning, Alvin Little completes our series, Strength for the Stressed, the stress of an uncertain future, as he focuses on Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks for tuning in to another Shore Street Presbyterian Church podcast. You'll be so welcome at any of our services on a Sunday. We have three services. Our first is at 9.45. Our second is at 11am. And our third is at 6.30 in the evening. You'll be so welcome. And let's read the Bible together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. First uh, Corinthians 15, so we're thinking about the future, uh, we're thinking of Psalm 23, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord um, forever, that's um, what we're thinking about, the stress of an uncertain future. Uh, and so 1 Corinthians 15 is all about resurrection. It's about certainty in, in the face of an uncertain future. Uh, and uh, the Apostle Paul is just teaching us on this glorious truth that we is foundational to us, that Christ has risen. We believe that factually and historically um, Christ has risen. He is alive. And because he lives we live too, and we shall live too. There's more to life. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, this is God's word. Absolutely love God's word because God speaks to us. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in fame. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is really crucial. This is basic. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. All of those prophetic words in the Old Testament that spoke of the death and resurrection of Jesus. That he appeared to Peter, the apostle Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, and most of whom are still alive, so you can go and check this out with them. Though some have fallen asleep, died. What a beautiful uh, picture of, of death. Not to be feared, no more than, than, than just falling asleep. And, and then he appeared to James, his brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born and came much later than the rest. Verse 12, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not 
but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. It's myth. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. What a waste of my life. Do you understand how much I've wasted my life? If, if this thing isn't true, what a way. Look, I could be doing anything. I, you know, I, I could be singing on an X Factor or anything. I mean. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Christ. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ is first, the first fruits. Then when he comes, when he returns back, those who belong to him, then the end of the world will come when he hands over the kingdom to the Father, God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion and authority and power of darkness. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says everything has been put under his feet, it's clear that does not include God, the Father himself. He put everything under Christ. And when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all and all. Now, if there's no resurrection, what will those who are baptized for the dead do? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human um, reasons, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink. Tomorrow we die. Because if this life is all that there is, you might as well eat and drink and pour everything you can into this life. Verse 15. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, die, but we will all be changed when Christ returns in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable from the graves, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. The sting is, of death is sin because that's the poison in our lives. The power of sin is in the law because we can't keep it. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, application to your lives. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm believing what you believe. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Great. 
I'm sorry that I'm not speaking on that, this passage and explain that to you because there's a few bits there that, you know, you need explained and, and we need to, to wrestle with. But anyway, if you want to pick up your um, sheet, you can find where we're going. Where can we find hope to face the future when we're fearful of what the future holds for us? So you talk to most ordinary people in the street about Brexit and they say, oh no, not Brexit. We're totally fed up with Brexit. It just goes round and round in circles and it goes on and on forever. Isn't that right? That's how you feel. And yet, for business people, you know, and for our whole economy, there's a very real threat here, folks, of uncertainty, chaos, maybe even disaster. It's a serious business if you're in business. And many businesses are fearful of the future and fearful of what the future might bring. And they're not the only ones. For a myriad of other reasons, there are many people who are daily living with niggling fears and with unspoken anxieties. And they wonder to themselves, well, what if? I mean, what if things do get worse? What if we can't pay the bills? What if our health doesn't hold up? What if we're left on our own? How would we cope? What would we do? How would we survive? What does the future hold for us, for me? And in the middle of those anxieties that are in your hearts and minds, there's this wonderful declaration of faith and certainty by King David. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me give you a wee paraphrase, my paraphrase of it. I am absolutely sure and totally convinced of this, that God's goodness and his unbreakable, unshakable, loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in his presence, and I will enjoy his love in heaven forever. Now, folks, you've got to ask yourself, like King David has had his own fair share of heartache and pain and trouble and difficulty in the past. So how can he be so sure and certain about the future? And the answer is, and this first gives you three reasons why he's so sure, so certain. So here it is. Number one, we can face the future and whatever the future brings us without fear. Because God is faithful. And his promises are totally trustworthy. Surely, goodness and mercy. Surely means we can be sure, we can be certain. It's a word of confidence. He added it in right at the start of, of this verse. None of us can be sure what tomorrow brings. Nobody knows about tomorrow. But this we can be sure of, and this we can be certain of, God's faithfulness to us in the future. Because we've experienced God's faithfulness to us in the past. Here, here's some wee questions for you just to waken you up if you're sleeping. So it's always good, isn't it? Here's the question. Number one, has God ever, ever let you down in the past? Answer, no. Has God ever broken his promises to you in the past? No. Can, can you look back and say, I trusted God and he turned out to be unfaithful, uncaring, unreliable to me in the past? 
not that there haven't been times in our past when we've struggled with those questions. Times when we've even, if we're honest, have felt disappointed with God because things didn't work out for us the way that we were sure that they were going to work out for us. And, and in those times, we've questioned God's ways and we've questioned God's care for us in the storms of life, haven't we? I genuinely understand some of those struggles and questions and disappointments. But, but speak out these verses with me, will you, um, with faith and love. There's three Psalms here that, that I want us to, to speak out. My heart is confident in you, okay? After three, one, two, three. My, my heart is confident in you, O God, for great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Second one, praise the Lord, all you nations, for great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. The third one, I actually, I've got a wee type mistake and it's sorry, so I'll read it to you. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. God's promises to you have been thoroughly tested by thousands of people before you, over thousands of years before you. And God has never, ever let anyone down in the past. And yes, you and I have come through some very difficult times, some painful times, some heartbreaking times, some faith-stretching times in the past. But looking back, we can now say, the Lord has helped me thus far. And looking forward, we can say with confidence, with conviction, with faith, the Lord will help us face tomorrow and face whatever tomorrow brings. We sang Amazing Grace. Through many dangers, toils, and stirs, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far. That's the past, right to the present. What's the future? And grace will do what? Lead me that's confidence. Isaiah 43, do you want to read that one for me? And the Lord who created you says, one, two, three, the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by your name and you are mine. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Do not be afraid. Did you know the different tenses in that? So do not be afraid for I have in the past ransomed you. I have in the past called you by name and you are mine in the present and in the future when you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will in the future be with you. And when you go in the future through rivers of difficulty, you will in the future not drown. Do not be afraid in the present, for I am with you in the present. Do you see past, present, future? So, so the question is, can you trust God with your future? Does his faithfulness to you in the past give you confidence to trust him? Whatever tomorrow is going to bring into your life, Number two, um, we can face the future and whatever the future brings us without fear because God is working out his loving purposes and plans for us. Uh, do you know, in Israel, um, shepherds went in front of their sheep. You, you, you know that, don't you? 
Um, so they, the shepherd would lead his sheep. He would walk in front of them and, and they would come behind us. But not, not like in Ireland, because you see Ireland and shepherds run all over the fields like mad things trying to chase <laughs> the sheep up. But someone said the Lord goes before us like a shepherd, but he has two sheepdogs that follow us. One's called goodness and the other's called mercy. Mercy translates a Hebrew word which means God's covenant, unshakable, unbreakable commitment to us and his loving kindness towards us. And the word follow in Hebrew literally means pursues us like vigorously comes behind us, pressing us, pushing us onwards. And so King David, who has himself come through many a dark and difficult time in his life already, is not saying or believing that the future will always be easy just because he trusts in the Lord. And you know that too. You know as well as I do that good things happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people and to God's people. We know that. But I often say this. When I signed up at 18 to follow Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I signed up for the good times and the bad times. I signed up for the delights and the disappointments. I signed up for the tough as well as for the smooth. What did you sign up for? What did you sign up for when you, if you have, if you've come to that point and signed up to follow him, Jesus? We are convinced that, that these Bible verses are true for us and they're true in our circumstances today. Romans 8, 28 there. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And yes, of course, there are tough times in our lives, but, but we believe, we are convinced that in the darkest days, the blackest nights, that our loving Heavenly Father, our shepherd Savior Jesus, is working out his good and loving purposes if we learn to trust him, and that his goodness, his mercy, his kindness will pursue us every single day of our lives, every new challenge that we face, every difficult situation that we find ourselves in. I love this verse. It's on the top of your page, right-hand page. I know you shouldn't really have favorite verses in the Bible. Sure, you shouldn't. Because every one of them is God's word, so everyone's good. But this is one I particularly like. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. You know, I often say, God, my life's uh, your life. I gave it to you. I gave it to Jesus. At 18, I gave it to him, you know? If I say to Clifford, Clifford, I want to give you a present. I want to take out my iPhone 6, which is really my heart and light and joy, and I'd love to give it to you, Clifford, you know? I can, no, I'm not, not, not Clifford. Don't, don't get carried away. <laughs> I couldn't go back in three weeks' time and say, Clifford, I'd love my phone back. Say, Clifford would say to me, but you give it to me, Alvin. I'm not giving it back to you. You give it to me. Isn't that the truth? I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him at all. I gave Jesus my life. I gave it to him. I gave it to him. I said, you can have it. Take it. Cheers. Have it. You gave your life for me. I give my life to you. It's yours. Take it. Do whatever you want with it. So if it's tough, it's tough. If it's smooth, it's smooth. If it's hard, it's hard. If it's good, it's good. Whatever comes... I trust him. I, I honestly trust him. 
I'm going to go through with this thing. I'm going to work it through, whatever comes in life. Do I keep saying this to folks? Do you know one of the lovely things about the joyful things of being a follower of Jesus is this, that we're not helpless pawns pushed around in a sea of chance by the winds and forces, random storms of this life with nobody to care for us. That's not what we are. By saving faith and grace, we are now God's precious and much-loved daughters and sons, saved and rescued by God's amazing goodness through that horrendous suffering and death of his one and only beautiful son, Jesus, upon that cross in our place, on our behalf. And our loving Heavenly Father is even now working out his loving purposes every single day of my life. Isn't that what we believe? We believe that. So read with me Romans 8. This, this, can anything ever separate us from God's love? Do you see that? And one, two, three. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? No. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. It's New Living Translation. Uh, that's what it is. So the weak question, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Uh, I mean, you've come to church and that is absolutely fantastic. But would you say you've ever come to the stage of giving your life to Jesus? Consciously, deliberately, intentionally, decisively surrendering your life to, over to God and inviting Jesus to come in and take your sins away completely and take over control so that he can work out his loving kindness. Because he can't do it until he has control of you. Honestly, not even God can, can do that until he has control of you. Lastly, we can face the future with faith and expectation. Because God's promise that we shall live in his presence and enjoy his home forever. Do you know, the, lo old, the longer I live and, and the older I get, the more I realize this. I'm quite an intelligent guy, so I've worked this out. Here it is. It'll come as a total shock to you and total revelation to you. I've worked out that this life is short. And this life is full of heartache and trouble and pain. It doesn't take a genius, does it? To work that out, does it? It's true, though. Honestly, folks, believe me, it's true. This life is short. This life is full of heartache and trouble and pain. And the good news is this. This world is not all that there is. It's not the best that there is. There is more to life than this, and there's more to life than this life. And the best is yet to be. I believe that. I don't believe that's pie in the sky when you die. I believe it's the truth. And the Apostle Paul, speaking of his own coming death, said, I long to go and be with Christ. That would be far better for me. I think it's brilliant. I think it's distinctly a Christian thing. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of death. 
because of this beautiful, fresh, loving relationship that Jesus has brought me into, and that glorious hope and certainty that, that every believer has that now through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that because he lives, we know for sure and certain that we too shall live with the Father forever. Now, this is eternal life. Eternal life isn't life goes on, on, on. It's more like married life. It's, it's life in a relationship. Now this eternal life that they might know you, the only true God, and, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent, that's life and relationship. That's what brings us joy. And yes, here in life, we may live five minutes. We may live 10 hours. We may live 20 months. We may live 60 or 80 years. But, but whatever length of time you live here on this earth, it's minuscule. I mean, it's tiny. It's tiny in comparison to an eternity with God, enjoying, delighting, soaking in the Father's incredible presence, bathed in his incredible love for you. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, 70 years are given to us. Some may even reach 80, but even the best of these years are filled with pain and trouble, and soon they disappear, and then what happens? We're gone. Just like that. Just like that, we're gone. And some of you are living in borrowed time, aren't you? Some of you are living in borrowed time. Can I say this to all of us, though? Gently, just to finish. Uh, don't live your life down here as if. Don't live your life down here as if this world is all that there is. Don't live your life that way, as if this world is all that there is, as if uh, this world is the best that there is. Don't, don't live like that. It's not the best there is. Don't live as if this world and its toys are going to last forever, because they're not. But if you really and truly believe in heaven, then here's the three things um, that you, you and I need to do more of. Number one, we will invest more of our energies preparing and getting ourselves ready to go there and live life there forever. The second thing, we will want to delight the Father's heart as we live here and now, becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And thirdly, if you really believe in heaven, you will lovingly, gently, warmly, be trying to persuade your friends and your families and your colleagues to get right with God, make peace with God, enter into life with God so that they will open their hearts to Jesus and receive that beautiful free gift of salvation. Because the wonderful promise of God is this, that when you and I open the door of our hearts to Jesus here, now, then he will open up heaven's door in that moment when you die. The Apostle Paul says, I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me upwards to heaven. So, let me ask you, does heaven really excite you? Does it really excite you? 
Does, does your heart long to know him and, and, and meet him and feel the warmth of his love for you? And what action do you actually need to take here and now so that you're better prepared for the life that is to come? What action do you need to take so that you're better prepared for the life that is to come? Will we pray? And then we'll sing Blessed Assurance Jesus is mine. Oh, 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 what a foretaste of glory to find. So just, I'll give you a moment of quietness. You, you, you know, just respond in your heart. What do you think God's saying to you this morning? What do you think the Father is lovingly trying to speak into your heart? What action are you going to take? I choose to do this one thing. in response to what I've heard. In Jesus' name.